All right. Uh, welcome to the Coral Rominger Show. Uh, we're in uh, guest digs tonight. So my camera isn't in the same spot. I got a different microphone, as you can see. Um, no idea, uh, you know, as always, uh, how well all this is presenting, but we don't really care, right? Because that's not what this is. This is a content show. Uh, I do have some notes I made. So first of all, I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. If in fact uh, you celebrate 4th of July, one never knows. Some people probably do not. Uh, I saw a meme going around that uh, there's no liberty this year for women. Um, there's still liberty for women. There's still liberty for all in the United States. Um, <clears throat> more volume, huh? All right, we'll give this a try. You know, Durgan used to say to uh, speak into the microphone. So they'll we'll, we'll try that. Got to eat the microphone, as they would say in the old days. Um, literally, when you're doing radio, if you've ever watched and they have those cool mics, most of them, the pickup or the gain on them is such that you really have to be right on top of them. So that's what we're going to do for tonight's show. Uh, Don, is that any better? Let me know there, brother. Uh, July 4th, again, there is liberty and justice for all in the United States, just that we don't always apply it the way we should. Uh, we are not always at our best, but we are still better than most of the world on any given day. And that may sound like some kind of poppycock American exceptionalism. Oh, Carl, why are you saying that America is so wonderful when we know America has so many problems? Because in America, I can talk about the problems, right? If I was in uh, yeah, Russia right now, to make fun of those uh, poor people over there, if I was in Russia and I wanted to do this show and I mentioned that we were in a war with the Ukraine, they would jerk me off the air and possibly imprison me for not calling it a special military action, okay? They're about to gear up a wartime economy over there, force people to work at night, the Duma's passing all kinds of laws, but it's not a war. Because if you call it a war, you're not allowed to do that. That's the First Amendment. Uh, so we still have the First Amendment in the United States. We still have the right to say and speak our minds. Uh, some people get confused and say that social media has gotten rid of the First Amendment. Uh, two reasons I don't believe that. Number one is the First Amendment applies to government and government alone. It doesn't apply to private individuals, okay? So if your Twitter is being censored by Twitter or Mark Zuckerberg is censoring this transmission, that's not a government action, and that doesn't count as a deprivation of the First Amendment. Um, freedom of association and religion. Uh, Supreme Court just came down with a case, right, that allows a coach to kneel at halftime and says he can quietly pray by himself at halftime and people want to join him or after the game because it was after the game. That's okay. Um, I don't have a problem with that except for one problem. Uh, if I were playing on that team and I was Hindu and I didn't go participate in the prayer and I didn't get play time the next game, and I thought I had a better practice than little Bobby or Susie, because um, Susie's on the football team, don't forget. Uh, I would probably have a certain way of feeling, like maybe if I go pray with the coach, I'll get into these uh, this, this play time, you know? So we don't always worry about the actual actions. We worry about the coercive knock-on effects, uh, but we still have the freedom generally of religion in the United States. If you want to be a Satanist, no one's going to stop you. If you want to be a Catholic, no one's going to stop you. Uh, if you want to be an atheist, uh, no one's going to stop you. You might catch some flack for it, right, uh, Don? I know people do catch some flack for that once in a while. Um, 
what other amendments do we have? We still have a right to be free from uh, warrantless searches and seizures, kind of. We've talked about that before. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get into a show where we go through all our rights and where they really stand, and maybe we should do a serial uh, piece on that. But in America, we still enjoy freedoms that the rest of the world doesn't. So when you're on Facebook and you're doing your FJBs or down with Donald Trump or whatever, just remember that our country is still arguably a beacon for democracy. It is still a beacon of freedom. And despite all the terrible things we've done, we've always progressed. Um, some people will say we regressed lately. I don't want to get into the politics of that at the second. What I want to do is celebrate America for just a minute here. All right. Not Pennsylvania, not Utah, not California. I don't want to see the balkanization of the United States. We have a country. Uh, if you're a proud Pennsylvanian, who cares? If you're from Chautauqua County, New York, and you're a proud Chautauquian, who cares? If you're a proud American, good. I think we should care. And if you're not a proud American, we need to examine why. If you feel you need to take a knee at a football game, there might be a reason for it. Maybe that person has a different view or version of America than you or I do. Uh, you know, we had a shooter at the 4th of July who... I mean, aside from the guy who shot up the church, right, going to a parade where kids and their dogs are and shooting it up is absolutely insane. And the word that a lot of people use to describe it is evil. I would describe it as bat guano crazy, shot out, mindless, um, defective, a lot of terms. I'm not sure it's uh, the evil uh, Satan himself so much as it's a defective mental health system here in America. That's one area where I think Republicans and Democrats can agree more needs to be done on mental health. We can all come to a conclusion about whether he should or shouldn't have been able to get that gun, uh, should or shouldn't that particular weapon be available. The Supreme Court's weighed in on that recently and said, you're not going to restrict the right to self-defense. There's going to be some regulation allowed. And you can see New York State's trying to pass what I consider kind of a crap law, right? Because they're they're saying, oh, yeah, you can carry a handgun, but you can't take it anywhere because if you go into a business that isn't clearly posted, that you're allowed to bring it in, then you violate it. So I guess that means if I'm a normal person and I want to carry my self-defense handgun and I walk into the McDonald's, well, it's not clearly posted that I can go in with it. Therefore, I'm now a felon for taking it in. Um, what they've done is create a right that you can't exercise, right? You can't take the gun anywhere or use it anywhere in normal life. Therefore, it's unexercisable. On the other hand, to bring up the ghost of the Lochner decision, if you guys remember Lochner, Lochner is like the 1905 decision by the United States Supreme Court on the freedom to contract. Some bakers sued and said, hey, we should be able to have some restrictions on our hours. And, and we, we are, I guess the employer sued or somebody said, you shouldn't be able to restrict our bakers' hours. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, um, freedom of contract, 14th Amendment, liberty, that was overturned as bad precedent later because if you follow the Lochner conclusion to its ultimate decision, you couldn't have a union. You really couldn't have any restraints on anything from the government side of things to enforce anything. And anybody could enter into any contract they wanted. Uh, under that theory, uh, you could enter into contracts that would probably be pretty illegal otherwise, you know, um, perpetuity, forms of enslavement, forms of the true freedom to contract still has to be restricted into lawful contracts. And 
the Lochner decision, of course, said you could regulate coal mines because that's an inherently dangerous thing, but baking isn't. I don't know about 500 degree ovens, but apparently the court in that era didn't think it was. Now, I know I'm getting a little weeds here, but the idea of liberty, right, uh, and the idea of the freedom of contract uh, could come back in, a, in, in other forms here. That helps you in some cases and hurts you in others. So with absolute freedom to contract, if you want to work extra hours and not get overtime because uh, you want to help the boss out, you'd be able to do it because right now that would violate most labor laws, right? Lochner basically said, unless it's a highly regulated, dangerous thing, it's up to the individual to decide. That, of course, was instantly turned around by business to uh, make people work 100 hours a week and pay them skimpy wages and otherwise uh, uh, tie them to the company store. And why am I talking about Lochner? Well, I'm just talking about liberty in general, right? Uh, liberty is a two-headed coin. Uh, social justice. Uh, what is social justice? Do we have it in America? That seems to be a big fight these days. I'll go back to that shooter we were talking about a minute ago. He definitely a mental health case, right? He kills a bunch of people. He's taken into custody nonviolently. Um, guy in Buffalo, I think, taken into custody nonviolently. The shooter in the, the, the church down in Georgia a number of years ago, taken into custody nonviolently. Um, another guy flees from the police after discharging a gun out of his car unarmed and gets shot 60 times. People have a way of digesting that, right? They look at it and say, what was different about some of those guys who committed heinous crimes and got fed Burger King seems to be the meme, right? White guy commits crime, gets Burger King. Black guy commits crime, gets shot. Um, not justifying, by the way, if that guy had a ski mask on and he shot in his car, doesn't mean he's a good guy. Um, but it doesn't mean that there should be a disproportionate use of force broken down on crime etc. based on race, right? Uh, maybe that's an area we need to work on. I think that's an area we need to work on. People will, of course, tell me, oh, Carl, how dare you say that? You know, as well as I know, that that's not an area where we need a lot of work. Uh, we've moved on from that. Uh, I think in 1974 was the last year that a woman couldn't get a credit card without her husband's signature. Uh, you know, a lot of these things aren't ancient history. So Roe v. Wade was 1973-ish. Uh, we've repealed it, rightly or wrongly. It doesn't matter. It just means that what happened in the 70s is still relevant to what could happen today. So when people come to you and say, hey, I have a feeling that in my lifetime things were a certain way, and you're saying, oh, no, it's not like that anymore, and it won't be like that anymore, uh, I don't think they necessarily have an invalid point, okay? I don't think they have necessarily an invalid point. If anybody wants to get on the horn here, 717-906-5319. If you're listening to this as a recording, you can always call that number and leave a voicemail. We might just play it on the air, 716-906-5319. Um, as you know, I will take your calls and put you on the air. What I really like, and Don, you might, actually, I know you're listening, you might appreciate this. There's a lot of beer muscles, um, a lot of beer muscles on uh, Facebook, or maybe they're whiskey muscles, or maybe they're just geek at computer keyboard muscles. Um, people hide and uh, sit behind those things and, and type all kinds of random stuff, and I get all kinds of interesting threads, but nobody ever wants to come on the air and actually debate that, right? Nobody ever wants to call me up. Uh, Chuck, a call, 717-906-5319, right? Now, instead, he'll just put like a smiley face on every post or like the laughing out loud, like um, it's so hysterical that there was an abortion protest in Carlisle. If you agree with the abortion decision, it's still not hysterical. Um, 
it's not a bunch of aggrieved old ninnies out there. It's women who have a very defined worldview who are at the center of a debate that involves their bodies, not mine, uh, and who are making good points. It doesn't mean that they are uh, evil or bad or should be ridiculed. And I, I find that a little offensive, right? But it's America, so you get to do that. You can be offensive because we do have, again, freedom of speech, going back to why we celebrate the 4th of July. Um, freedom of speech, though, should be exercised with aplomb, right? Now, I know we all flame each other. Uh, Ron, who, who I think sometimes listens and, and comments a lot on my, on my feeds, Ron knows uh, he and I will break bread together uh, and have a completely different conversation than when we're flaming each other online. Uh, it seems like both of us just have too much time on our hands sometimes, right? But that kind of speech can be helpful. It's also the kind of speech, oh, we got our first caller here. Let's see here. Josh. Josh. Hey, Carl. Hey, how you been? Not too bad. Thanks for calling, brother. Yeah, had you, uh, had a good happy Independence Day. Thank you. Thank you. This is our unofficial, official July 4th edition, right? Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you hit a couple points already, Carl. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, I get a lot of my news from Facebook. Right. You know, and sometimes, you know, it's credible. Sometimes it's misleading based on the headlines. But, uh, you know, you have to research more. And then you have, then you log into the, uh, like, the, or you go, Right. More about what they're trying to tell you. So, 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 Josh, I, bo I, I bought to get past the paywall on the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I got like one year deals on those for four bucks a month each, uh, which was the only reason I did it because they, it popped up and said, you know, for a year you can get through for four dollars. I probably have to change my name or my email address in a year and if I want to keep it. <laughs> but that helps getting past the paywall. And then sometimes with just a headline, I can Google it. If I, if I, if it's like one of the sites I can't get past the paywall on. Um, but that is a problem because people share information. And I, I criticize people sometimes because I'll share a post and I'll say, read the article before you pop off and they'll pop off. And you can tell they didn't read the article first because the article, the headline or the trailer into the article really isn't the meat of the article. And what they're commenting on, it's clearly the headline uh, or it's one of my buddies who's just saying uh, FJB, you know, because, uh, you know, you got an article about all the myriad of reasons that gas prices go up and down that, that include the president and 800 other things. And they don't want to actually study it. Right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I've been seeing a couple of things breaking today. Yeah. And uh, you talked about the one. I mean, I mean, apparently there was AR-15s involved in that shooting or whatever. So, yeah. And, you know, there's a whole lot of things we can talk about at this point, which is just so fresh. And it's actually a, a sensitive subject, too, because the scenario is pretty. Um, I've seen a video and it's pretty graphic, you know, it's pretty graphic, pretty like, you know, overwhelming, you know, to, to see something like that. Well, let me share. Let me share a comment like, uh, here, Josh. Sure. We're going to share. Go, Carl, spew your BS hatred because of your faults. Uh, Jerry, I'm really not sure I'm making, I'm making uh, uh, sense out of what you're saying. Uh, what did I say that was hatred? Did, 
did I miss something? Did anybody want to rewind the tape and tell me what I said? How about this, Jerry? Um, put your keys together. I mean, it looks like you can spell and type. So put your keys together. And I guess that I shouldn't really say it like that, should I? I'm just being salty. But uh, uh, be a little more refined than that. Tell me what I said so far that's BS. We're, we're at 16, 15 in here. You know, if you got a minute you want to prop up and have us go back and examine, we can do that later. Uh, or, Jerry, you can just tell me the exact statements, uh, of what offended your uh, sensibilities and was so sensitive about. Um, well, Don, what happens is this is on multiple feeds. So you might be watching, say, on my personal page, and Jerry might be watching on the Carl Rominger Show page, and Will's watching on... Um, Oh, what is that? Uh, YouTube. Yes, YouTube. So, and we also have a Twitter feed going as well. So you can see the show uh, through Restream everywhere at once. After the show's over, I use Anchor to pump it up to Spotify. And then you can listen to it. And, and believe it or not, people are actually listening to this on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So I'm not going to toot my own horn, but not a lot of people, but it's enough people that, you know, it's almost like, uh, 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 Jason says in Jerry to response to Jerry, no, Jerry is in a cult and lashes out at anything that isn't worshiping his mango Messiah. Uh, I cooked up a mango the other day. I, I caramelized it to put with some meat. Uh, really highly suggest that, by the way. So, Josh, you were talking about getting your news from Facebook, right? Um, and that really is where a lot of people are getting their news these days. The problem with that is because the algorithm likes to reinforce what we react to and what we like, sometimes the news we get fed really isn't the news. Um, it's the news that Facebook thinks we're going to be most reactive to, most likely to share or comment on, which doesn't mean it's always the news we need to hear, right? It's curated in a slightly right. different format. Um, so one speed that I picked up on the day, we'll get back to the, the yeah. Right. judge. It could be the same judge and probably based on the, our, well, one thing that makes a big difference is our backgrounds. Okay. So I don't know what your background is, but I'm a felon, right? And when I show up, he's going to be like, Rominger, seen you before. You're a bad dude. Uh, you're getting a heavy sentence. So your, your prior record always factors in. But if, if everybody has the same prior record or no prior record, then you would expect the same judge to base his sentence on the conduct of the people, both at the time of the offense and also how amenable to um, uh, rehabilitation they seem, which is partly recognizing what you did is wrong. So some of these crazy January 6th folks have gone out and given interviews, right? They go in and plead guilty, and then they go tell, like, Sean Hannity Jr., like one of the like mini radio hosts somewhere, oh, yeah, I just pled guilty because it's all a bunch of BS, but my lawyer said I needed to. Well, when you go to sentencing, the judge is like, oh, so you thought this was all a bunch of BS and you don't have any recognition of why you did 
what you did and why it was wrong. I'm really going to need to smack you to, to get to you. Whereas somebody else who's contritious the entire time might get a lighter sentence. So because we have individualized sentencing and we have guidelines, you should expect that the sentences would be around the guidelines. But I'll, I'll use my own case as a as a example really quick. I went in front of two judges, one for the state charges, one for the federal charges. The mitigating or aggravating circumstances around both crimes were the same, right? Um, the state court judge gave me 60 months, basically, when my guideline range was nine to 16 months. So he really aggravated my sentence. The federal judge took my guideline range and rolled it down and went below my guideline range. My guideline range was like 36 months and she gave me 20, I think 27 to 36 months. And she gave me 20 months. Um, so two judges looking at the same person at the same time or right around the same time with identical criminal background, because both judges knew about the other charges, right? And I pled guilty to both. Uh, one found that I was a person who deserved a mitigated sentence below the guidelines in their court. And the other judge felt that I deserved a highly aggravated sentence uh, in the other court. Um, does that make sense? So that being said, you think that Kingsley's uh, charge was, or sentence was lessened because he admitted that, uh, that Trump didn't win the election? Right, right, right. Well, that could be in part. Um, which, by the way, I have, I have, I'm kind of enjoying something, and I'm concerned about it at the same time. Is that possible? Um, there's something called like the 65 project or something like this. It's, it's a group that's funding going after all the lawyers who filed fraudulent claims on behalf of Trump or allegedly filed fraudulent claims. You know, they're, they're doing the bar complaints, the litigation, um, uh, uh, to, to call out people for filing court filings, uh, without, uh, uh, proper merit. And so, I find it enjoyable in a way, right? Because clearly Rudy and some of the lawyers filed some stuff that I yeah, reasonably couldn't file. But I know one of the guys uh, from the area, right, from practice over the years, Mark Scaringi, and he did some work for Trump. So I went back and read what he had said. And it's interesting because Scaringi was very careful to point out that in, in some his own radio show that he does on WHP apparently, and also in some news commentary or other places, uh, that that he didn't think that the, the evidence of fraud was great. Um, and, and I think the way he was forwarding the challenge, it wasn't on a fraudulent basis, it was on a good faith basis, um, but tempered with, you know, we, we, we have real problems with proof and we probably aren't gonna overturn the election in other states, we just have this one issue here in PA you know, Trump then apparently sidelined him and put Rudy in charge. And that's how Rudy ended up in the courthouse arguing that case um, with the day the die was running down his head. Um, but I thought about that and I was like, yeah, this Project 65 is kind of cool because they're going to beat up on these guys for filing this fraudulent stuff. But then I look and I go, yeah, but our local guy who was involved in some of the filings, I'm not sure they're counting when that's 65 or not, but he clearly was involved as one of Trump's lawyers for, for a period of time after some big firms dumped him and he got involved. And he's a really great um, conservative guy, uh, Mark Scaringi, okay? If you guys listen to him on WHP, I highly recommend him. Um, and just just a, a, a great human being, okay? And I just thought, isn't that interesting? He's the guy that isn't gonna lie, isn't going to uh, 
uh, say something false or or mislead somebody. So I hope they leave him alone. I'm going to be watching that because I, I just wanted to see what what how he was tempering. I didn't read the actual filings yet. That's on my agenda. Uh, but I think it's very interesting. Again, that's commendable that we have a local lawyer who took the case and forwarded it, right? And forwarded it um, on Trump's behalf, but but was very careful about how he did it. And that's the way it should be done. And we don't want a chilling effect. We want any candidate, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or anybody to have full and fair access to the courts. And, you know, um, when, when you represent guys like Jerry, uh, Jerry Sandusky, that is, um, you, you run into the problem where people are like, how could you represent that guy? Well, he's entitled to access to the court. I don't determine if somebody's guilty or innocent before I represent them. Uh, I represent them to allow the court to determine if they're guilty or innocent, right? Back when I was a lawyer. And so we can't have this chilling effect on Trump or Trump's lawyers or Biden or Biden's lawyers where they're going to get into some kind of trouble for making a legitimate legal claim or a good faith one that turns out not to be based on evidence. One thing Rudy has said, and I agree with him, is, hey, we don't have a lot of time on these things, so maybe we got to file it first and chase the evidence later. That's really not a best practice, and boy, it's a gamble, right? But that's that's what Rudy did. Um, by the way, somebody's asking, yes, uh, the captions or the, uh, the chats are different on different... Uh, um, feed. So like right now there's no comments displaying, but any new comments that'll come in will display over here. So if you want a world to see what you're saying, um, here's an idea for instead of just shooting your mouth in front of a camera, how about debating Ken Matthews? My bet is you won't. So it's funny. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I actually sent word over to WHP that I'd be happy to debate Ken Matthews. Um, I think so far, I think so far Ken has, but here, I hereby challenge Ken Matthews to a debate on the Ken Matthews show, right? Or he can come on my show. Um, I've got exactly one billionth of the listeners he does, okay? But, uh, <laughs> and, and Buzz, I could tell you some funny stuff about the Ken Matthews show. Um, if you want to talk, I'm not going to say it on the air, but I, but, but. Let's get on the January 6th video for a second. Yeah. So. Now, they're saying that, and what you're saying is like, we wouldn't want to see an administration not be able to transition the power peacefully, you know, when it's about to dime or whatever. Right. The thing about it is, Trump already did that in the end of November. So the whole claim that there wouldn't be a peaceful transition, he already ordered that through his whole state department, the whole department, staffing department, everything. Right. And that, that whole, that whole goes to prove that there is no, you know, these people, but all being treated in the prison the way they are, they're not culpable in the insurrection. You know, I have a real problem with I have a real problem with what's going on in the uh, uh, in the prisons uh, with these pretrial detainees. In fact, I did a whole show. So if you're listening to this and you want to go back through the feed, uh, like on Spotify or Apple, you can find the podcast where we talked about the the detainees from January sixth. Some of those guys are probably guilty of something. You can't just go into the Capitol and rip something off the wall and cause graffiti. You know, so it reminds me of the, yeah, you, you can't, you can't do that stuff and just go, oh, I should get a free pass because I listened to a speech by Donald Trump and he told me I should come down. Even if all that's true 
or you just followed somebody in or Ray Epps urged you to come in, whatever your argument is, uh, or Antifa tricked you into coming in and breaking the windows. Well, um, well, those people that broke the windows, like we're seeing, uh, James Kingsley, some people are saying Mastriano has paid for Kingsley, and some people are saying George Soros paid for Kingsley. So right. I haven't figured it out yet myself, but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a controversy here, like uh, these first So, so my, my biggest issue, though, is with the treatment in prison. Uh, people don't realize how dysfunctional our prisons are. I've said this before, 95% of everybody in prison is getting out. So I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to watch my neighbor's dog, and I'm going to watch it for a month, and I'm going to hit it with a cattle prod repeatedly. I'm going to starve it to death, and I'm going to make it fight other dogs. And then I'm going to give it back to the neighbor, and everybody in the neighborhood is going to wonder why the neighborhood kids got bit, right? Um, well, that's what's going on in our prisons right now. No, I'm, I'm no Aliana. There's a lot of people that have to stay in prison because they're not safe to return to society, okay? I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Um, on the other hand, I'm a big believer that locking up all the people we did didn't do anything to solve our, our, our drug crisis. Let's see here. Jerry says, replying to Amy, yeah, well, Carl has some balls to do this crap show of what he did to those innocent victims he took advantage of. It's funny, I, you know, Jerry, I, I did my time, buddy. Um, I, you probably could survive in there. You're a little bit of an agitator. So you'd probably get rubbed down a couple times before you kind of caught on. Um, but, uh, you know, I did my time, Jerry. And if you got a problem with it, uh, I don't really care. Uh, but you know what? And as, as, uh, as it says, uh, you know, you're watching the show. So Nielsen counts you as a viewer, Jerry, believe it or not. So in the Nielsen report, Jerry is my viewer. So I appreciate it, Jerry. And uh, <laughs> uh, he would be the pivot man in jail. Yeah, Amy, he, you know, they've changed things around there. Guys like him can check in and be pretty safe. So um, anyhow, he's – yeah, go ahead. Whoa! And the devil went down to Georgia. Blow up the, the God gun. Yeah, did they so blow it up? Little, did they blow it up? They blew it up. Oh! All right, I'm gonna have to check that out. Right? I, the last two hours. I was busy getting this menagerie ready right here. <laughs> so we're talking about our sources. If we can get through our news that nobody else in the world can get, right? Listen, uh, the, the, you know, I, I know what I was going to say about that shooter on July 4th, which was, you know, I took some issue with the fact that everybody got so excited with the, the shooter in Texas and thought he was a trans guy and put photos up and said, oh, look at this tranny. And he's probably that's why he's got daddy issues. And that's why he shot these people. And it's all this transgender stuff. And it's all bad. I don't really care. Um, but I noticed that the the new guy, the photos didn't quite circulate as fast because half of them are him dressed as Trump, wrapped in a flag, as well as all these zany, wacky photos. The guy's obviously just a nutbag. I, if he's a follower of Donald Trump, he's a follower of Donald Trump because he's a follower of anybody that, that'll get him a jolly at the moment and, and will feed into his sick mind. And it's not because Trump's a good or bad guy. It's just he would be following Billy Graham one day, I'm sure, and the next day, um, Charles Manson. I mean, that's the type we're talking about. You're just a complete, utter mental health 
uh, disaster, okay, by all, by all stretches of the imagination. But somebody said, well, it's so hard to know what's true, right? Because somebody flashes a photo and says, this is the guy. And then you're trying to hunt it down. Well, it's got the right tattoo, um, but could have been Photoshopped. It could have been a deep fake. I could be a deep fake right now, right? Um, I've actually been looking at some technology that will allow me to employ synths. Uh, in fact, I might, I might do that. I might employ a synth and, and carry on a fake conversation with one, um, maybe have her pretend she's my girlfriend or something to fool you guys. Uh, but seriously, I, I, I thought about doing that just to show how that might work. Um, let's see, what is Donnie saying here? Trump does seem to attract wackos. Well, he does, he does, but in all fairness, all presidents attract wackos. Uh, Reagan attracted Hinckley because he thought Jody Foster would be impressed. He didn't even know that Jody Foster wasn't playing for the right team to impress her. I mean, that's the problem with these nutballs. They literally are shot gonna, out. What's that? And he's going to start a thing career now. Right, right. Um, you know, and, and you know what? I think he was just super mentally ill. So for as much time as he spent, I hope uh, that they've released him and he's not a, a, a present danger, right? And I hope he does something with his life. I mean, I hope. Um, I, I don't want to say that anybody should get away with anything, um, but if he really did it because he's crazy, uh, you know, we represented a mom one time who who had a psychotic breakdown and was out riding around um, shooting, you know, shooting aliens with a TV remote, literally with the kids in the car uh, when the police pulled her over in the middle of the night. Um, and she had to get institutionalized and took a long time, but we eventually um got her competent and then back with her kids and i would see her for a year i haven't seen her a few years now but i would see her for years after um just out being a normal mom so mental health is tricky because if that's why somebody did something then i don't think we we should discard them we need to help them we need to treat them and they can be treated sounds like this kid wasn't getting the treatment he needed um if he's making these threats and the suicide threat and then somehow he's He's being enabled by the family. By the way, that's that's the theory on why it's always white middle class kids that are the shooters, or 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 the equivalent uh, in these mass shootings is because mom and dad are good at keeping the authorities uh, at bay enough, whereas the kid would be put in placement in a lower socioeconomic background. So I'm wondering if that came into play in this case or not. Oh boy. Yeah, there's some there's a lot of speculation on how many. Uh, contact uh, any one of these individuals had through their, their internet posts um, and what they talk about online with their friends or social community, their social circle, and how many of those posts were monitored and how long they're monitored for. And with any one of these shooters, their social um, his, social uh, history becomes uh, pretty. <laughs> Good piece of evidence that never seems to be explored. Yeah, and um, and how and how, how long the FBI was actually following each one of these people. You know, and, and if there was an opportunity at one point to make an intervention to prevent such a you know catastrophe. And so, Josh, that's one of the um, questions we don't know the answer to right now. One of the questions that we don't know the answer to that I would like to know the answer to is how many people are the FBI and law enforcement tracking online at this point? In other words. Is there like 5,000 young people, young white males, equivalent nationwide that could be lone wolf shooters or, or, or guys like, um, uh, nah, Jerry, I'm not going to go there. I wasn't going to say you. I, I was. Um, 
you know, that are like sharpening their <laughs> sharpening their knives uh, at home, thinking like, oh, you know, uh, mega, you know. Um, but are 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 there are they tracking people in mass, and so they would likely know this, or are we only tracking a few for some reason? And and what do we or are there just so many people like this that it's not practical to track all of them? You know, if there's a million weirdos posting weird stuff, right? Um, maybe you can follow all million. If it's 10 million, maybe you can't follow all 10 million. And maybe when somebody posts a meme that involves death or involves suicide or involves some kind of weird threat or potential threat, and it's just a joke and it gets repeated 800,000 times in 20 minutes, the computers can't necessarily figure out who's really feeling that way and, and who should be looked at. Or, or is there like a, an on-the-ground operation uh, to, you know, look after and try to pinpoint profile individuals like there was in the past? Um, is it more, has that a transition just to internet-based profiling, or do they still have their on-the-ground uh, things that they used to do because they didn't have the internet back a few years ago, right. years ago, uh, they try to intervene with people. Like, this reminds me of the story that Gilberton's police officer that was then, you know, shown all over YouTube and stuff and shooting, shooting his good gun and trying to rally people up. It turns out that he went to a lot of different events across the country and allegedly somewhere down in, uh, once again, the Georgia area, they had, uh, uh, you know, apprehended 100, you know, militia people because they were attending to do something, that, uh, you know, and allegedly this guy, swore, you know, with, with the help of the FBI. Right. Special well, listen, listen, I, right, right, and, and this whole, the whole informant thing, the whole, you know, undercover agent slash confidential informant, um, I used to, uh, you know, get involved in drug cases, and sometimes you'd really kind of be scrutinizing, like, what was law enforcement's goal here? Uh, I can think of a guy years ago who said he used to buy a quarter pound of marijuana on a regular basis from a guy for his personal use. And one day the guy showed up at his house with 12 pounds of marijuana. And the next thing he knows, the police are busting in the door on what's called a preemptory search warrant. So the police sent an informant in with 12 pounds of marijuana, okay, and then raided the place to say that this guy was buying 12 pounds of marijuana. And, you know, he was saying... It's strange because 10 pounds is what gives me a three-year sense, whereas if it had been the usual quarter pound, they probably couldn't even put me in jail. Um, so the government shaped this situation. And, you know, he wants to run with the defense that I buy drugs, but just not that much drugs, right? It's complicated. But it tends to show, and this happens, the government sometimes goes as far to take a person who's a... Um, you know, a simple criminal, right, Amy, entrapment. Uh, it's a form, right? And, but how do you beat that? You know, you're stuck and, and you can take it to trial. And it was a Perry County case. And you're going to hope that now that was circa the late 90s, by the way, not, not when marijuana wasn't the big deal that it is now. Um, you know, back when marijuana, when people were all denying that they smoked it or knew what it was and claimed they didn't know what it smelled like. Uh, I walked through Carlisle last night, smelled it like 18 times on a one mile route. Uh, and you're not supposed to be able to smoke it. So I don't know why I can smell it all the time, but, 
yeah, so I think in these these those kinds of cases, uh, and I wonder where do law enforcement go with these things? How many of these guys are they are they are working, or how many times we got involved where the confidential informant was actually buying um, uh, uh, the drugs, right, uh, with with money given to him from the government? But the drugs he was buying weren't really from the guy. They were really his own deal. He was selling drugs to the government, basically. Um, or yeah. there's just so much dirty dealing. Um, there's actually a guide for the Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement for the Attorney General's Office here in Pennsylvania. And in the in the section on confidential informants, uh, I used to cross-examine these guys on it because they'd always be trying to say, well, my confidential informant's pretty reliable and blah, 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 and inherent reliability. We did this. But the chapter for agents teaching them basically says a confidential informant is the worst thing you can use and it should be the last way you make a case because they will lie for no reason at all and they're dirty people and they'll do bad things and they'll try to set people up and they'll you know and it just goes on and on and then they would read that out loud to the jury and they you know be like oh yeah well I guess that's true and that was part of my training but I forgot to mention it um so you got this conundrum where you've got people who aren't always open and honest about what to expect from a confidential informant, working confidential informants uh, who are trying to run amok quite often and set up people sometimes because, you know, what happens is, think about this. Uh, you imagine someone had asked me to work a confidential informant. I committed my crimes alone, right? So I would have had to make some some junk up. I would have had to, uh, I would have had to make some junk up about somebody else and try to draw them into some BS to try to do something with my own sentence, right? And and don't get me wrong, the government is always offering you those opportunities, right? Hey, just do this, just do this. Um, a lot of people jump on them. Uh, I didn't have anything to offer, right? Um, or at least I didn't have anything I wanted to offer them. Uh, that, that, that fellow's name, Mark Kessler. Is that his name? Kepler. Oh, we'll have to check him out. Um, They just they did they think they found some new particles, right? Well, not I mean, you know, it's like what the electron collider or something. Yeah, so it's a super. It's, so they're 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 smashing um, electrons or protons together at very high rates of speed um, in a super collider, and it's the biggest one or fastest one in the world. And the faster, you know, um, as you accelerate, yeah, as you accelerate something to the speed of light, it gains mass. And it's negligible on my bicycle or in a car, right? We don't gain much mass at that velocity. But as you get closer and closer to the speed of light, you gain more and more mass. In fact, the reason matter can't move at the speed of light is because it becomes infinitely heavy before it gets to the speed of light. So it just can never quite get there. 
but basically as you pump energy and velocity into these particles, their mass rises to the point that you're now smashing super heavy uh, and force F equals uh, 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 mass times velocity, right? So the force involved in the collision, if you have a high velocity and a high mass, there's more force that creates more destruction and therefore they snapshot more elementary particles in a non-natural state. That's the whole theory of a super collider anyhow. I bet Ken Matthews could, I bet Ken Matthews knows how those work too, Jerry. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so here we have, uh, a few years ago they shut this thing down, from what I understand. Yeah, they, they do periodic maintenance on it, allegedly, right? Or or they opened a, the last time they shut, the last time it operated, they created a disturbance. Well, it's, that's that's the open question, right? Uh, some people theorize so, you might create a miniature black hole, you might rip uh you might rip a, a hole to the upside down, um, kind of like they did at the Hawkins National Lab, if anybody's familiar with that, Hawkins National Laboratory. Well, yeah. uh, was it just electromagnetic disturbance or was it, you know, something greater than that or, you know, dimensional that people are now with the opening ceremonies of this, this firm, which is happening today, yeah. or yesterday, whatever, um, there's a, you know, uh, the images that are being portrayed of that, uh, Ceremony are horrific and gruesome and inappropriate for children to watch. And people are excited about what the power of this new collider is going to do. So maybe it will do nothing but create a you know electrical magnetic storm above it or whatever. Um, but it will do some new things that people are outside the collider, not only inside the collider. Well, well, we're going to find out because they're going to march forward. I know getting it started, getting these projects started. Listen, um, sooner or later, something goes wrong, right? Whether, whether it's intended or not. Um, will it be a, a dramatic uh, event, you know, like where they crack the moon open or something? There's a lot of sci-fi on that. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Uh, China says they're going to take... Yeah, well, it, it is a reason why they call it the space race, right? Um, we don't land stuff on, I've, I've always said this, we don't land stuff on Mars and map Venus because we want to land stuff on Mars and map Venus. We do that because it allows us to pay civilian money to build the technology we need to drop uh, micro bombs on foreign dictators 10,000 miles away, right? Um, that said, we are entering the space age now. We can commercially, I just saw a website where I can buy satellite imagery and mass for any purpose I want down to uh, about, about uh, 50 centimeters um, in resolution. So, you know, if, if I want to count uh, cars in junkyards or look at farm fields with satellite imagery, whatever my line of business is, I can get it now and it, it's aggregated from multiple providers very cheaply. Um, that's just the imaging side. I can get space on a rocket to get a microsatellite into space now. Um, you know, it used to be $200 million to get started to get into space and into the billions. Now for a million dollars, you can get into, into space. Now, anybody out there who owns a business or has been in the business world knows that a million dollars is a lot of money, but to some businesses and to many businesses, even small businesses, a million dollars is something they will spend on a capital investment. So we will see 
all kinds of things moving into space and controlling the moon or having understandings on who controls the moon uh, are going to be very important because if the moon belongs to the red communist China party, right? Chinese communist party, the CCP, um, not only will Mike Pompeo, not only will Mike Pompeo be very upset, but so will I. Um, the best we can hope for is to, to create some rules as to how all this works. And of course, if you ever watch the sci-fi series, The Expanse, eventually you end up with Earth under the UN and Mars under their own government. And then the Belters out there kind of in their own little loose confederation. Um, I know if I mention the word globalism, I mean, I should say, right, you will be poor and you will enjoy it, Klaus says, you know. Um, uh, right. You, you will own nothing and you will enjoy it. And then, by the way, let me let me make it let me go on a complete side note here. The other day, one of Biden's guys said, you know, you're going to have to pay the high prices for gas to support the liberal world order. And of course, Fox News and everybody went, oh, he said liberal and it's liberal. The word liberal does not mean liberal. The word liberal means liberal democracy, the same way Vladimir Putin refers to the United States as a liberal democracy. Um, political scientists, people in the know talk about liberal democracy. They don't mean liberal like conservatives and liberals, Republicans and Democrats. This is a term that goes back hundreds of years. Read Sumpner, uh, get into some uh, uh, bag hot, get into some of the old economics and political philosophy and you'd understand what he meant was the liberal democracies, i.e. people who actually vote and pick their leaders, ostensibly the United States, ostensibly Germany, ostensibly England, Australia, South Korea, Japan. Those are all liberal democracies, not the bad word liberal that gets Jerry all a Twitter, right? Jerry will be like, oh, Proof Carl's a bad guy. He used the word liberal on a show in a positive light. Um, yeah, Jerry, guess what? It it pays to liberally sprinkle spice on your food. It doesn't mean that the food is bad because you liberally sprinkled something on it. The word liberal has pejorative use and it has um, more intellectual uses. And we're not, and it wasn't being used by Biden's guy, but a poor choice of words because he should have remembered that the domestic audience hasn't really been brushing up on world history and world economics and world political systems to understand what he meant and would be well understood by people knowledgeable in that area. And of course, Fox sort of run, run with it, ran with it, gunned with it, gunned with it. I don't know if I can say that too soon, probably. Um, but you know what I'm saying? And by the way, I, is Tucker probably on right now and I'm missing Tucker. So I'm going to have to go down and check the DVR and see, see what he had to say. I guess he was blaming weed and girls and low testosterone um, and all kinds of things, uh, for the shooting. Now, by the way, on this whole shooting, well, no, here's, go ahead. Here's another avenue we haven't talked about either. Just plain medication. I mean, what type of prescriptions? I have a friend, I have a friend, I have a friend who says that these medicines don't get rid of the suicidal ideations. They just give the person enough get up and go to carry them out in a violent and spectacular fashion. Uh, I think that's worth looking into. I really do. Um, yeah, exactly, Dan. Deregulation equals market liberalization. See, that's my problem with words. Uh, it's kind of like woke. There's a young lady somewhere in the United States who's proudly telling her friends and family that she's woke. And she means it in a good way. And in the meantime, there's somebody on Fox probably later tonight 
Ingram or Hannity talking about those woke liberal scum. And, and it's a pejorative. And when we all use words differently and we all hear each other using those words and don't understand the context and the epistemology, epistemology, I think I got the right, epistemology, the physiology, I don't know, it's some ology uh, which has to do with the person using the words and understanding their position in life and their belief structure because you can't really understand what they're saying if you don't understand their belief structure because how they say things will be different based on their belief structures and experiences. And so philosophers especially think it's important to disclose your a lot of your 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 vital statistics of beliefs and experiences because otherwise i can't truly read what you're writing um without knowing that so i forget the term for it somebody smarter than me will figure it out um but yeah there, there's the medication issue but let me come back to this there is a problem in our country uh where and i'll, I'll give you two two examples if if i'm a black person in america i'm upset because i have a very clear perception that a black defendant is handled differently than a white defendant in a major shooting incident or even a minor shooting incident right i i, I think they can validly uh stake out that position on the other hand um my my mega friends can say well, how come we're so worried about nine people getting shot when 60 other people got shot 30 miles away in Chicago and nobody does a damn thing about it? Um, so if we're going to solve gun violence in the United States, we have to solve violence in the United States. We get to the root of violence. Mental health seems to be the problem with the shooters uh, in these mass killings in schools and parade grounds, right? So when you're addressing that, we need to address that. We need better red flag laws. On the other hand, the shootings in Chicago are gang wars and reprisals and bad people being bad people, and their mental health needs to be worked on, drug issues need to be worked on, and crime needs to be solved. But what we've been doing with mass incarceration of drug dealers uh, hasn't seemed to solve the problem. It's a generational problem. I keep hearing people saying, well, it's just bad father and Carl, and these people need to have better fathers and all this sort of thing. Who's airdropping the fathers in? A solution isn't a solution if it's impossible or impracticable or can't be done. So unless you're adopting all these foster kids, and remember, got all these new babies on the way, unless you're adopting all these foster kids and doing something to participate, it's not going to take care of itself. So you can say someone ought to teach that guy to read and then he'd be able to read. And we wouldn't have this problem. Well, guess what? If you don't teach him to read and he doesn't teach his kids to read and da, 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 da then nobody's going to know how to read because it just doesn't happen because you think somebody ought to do it. Things have to be done. They have to be paid for. Good policies have to be put in place. They have to be executed. They have to be followed out upon. And we're falling down on that. You know, quite simply, we're oh, falling yeah. down on that. Um, and my 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 point is, we need we need to address both sides of this coin because both sides have valid points, but both sides get tangled up with the what about this? What about this? And that drives me nuts too. Every time somebody says, "You say, hey, Donald Trump tried to fix the election," like, yeah, but what about Antifa? Um, People raided the Capitol. Yeah, but what about? And then the Antifa people are like, well, well, but what about the Capitol rioters? Well, what about? When I was a kid, I don't know what's going on in this world, but when I was a kid, if I told my mom, well, what about Johnny? I didn't get very far with it. 
But for some reason, as an adult on Facebook, that seems to be everybody's reply for everything. But what about? What about? Who cares what about? Answer the question. Judge the person. Judge the problem. Uh, epistemology is the theory of speaking about difficult issues. Okay, there you go. I knew it was a piss. I knew it was piss. We're talking about mental, mental health and mental and, and health issues in general. Let's take into a statistic uh, uh, segue. So there was a point in time where we tried to figure out, you know, they're claiming that, you know, 70% of the people have COVID, for yeah. example. So we try to look at and say, hey, well, you know, so-and-so hospital, show me how many people have COVID. Oh, well, you can't access those records. That's HIPAA protected. So we run into a particular point where we consistently we can't actually figure out medically, physically, medically, what uh, yeah some of these potential scenarios for either a mental health scenario or even somebody that had COVID um, is because of the way that conundrum is right there. Correct. You know, and there's a tension. Ten uh, everything secret. It's the tension between individual privacy and figuring out how to use that data in the aggregate. And so a lot of work is done, for instance, to take census data or IRS data and anonymize it and share it in a way that you can't link it back to a person, but would allow policymakers to make decisions. And it's exactly like from a medical standpoint, if I can't know what everybody in the hospital is suffering from, then how can I know what the hospital needs or where things are headed, right? And so the good, good news is... Well, the, you could say there's, there's, two people, there's three people in there, and, you know, we have one case of this, one case of that, one case of the other. We can make a deduction that, you know, one of these three people, you know. But, you know, if nobody knows who really been there, you know what I mean? Right. No, so and, that, you know, that institution in itself creates, it creates a, you know, it's a good space operation. You know what I mean? That's so the only thing that keeps together. I used to have people tell me, like, oh, I can't believe the newspaper's reporting on my crime. And I used to say, be glad they are, because in other countries, you're just disappearing. Your family would come looking for you. And somebody would say, I think I saw the police picking them up yesterday. And then no one would tell you what jail you were in, right? And no one would tell you where you were, or what you were charged with. And it could take a year or two sometimes before the family could even locate somebody in a lot of countries. Um, which brings me full circle. We live in America. Our freedoms are important. We should always default towards freedom. We should always pick the side of freedom whenever possible. Um, I'll throw a bone to the anti-abortion people. They would say, we're, we are picking freedom. We're picking freedom for a person that we think is a life. And that's where that debate is. And that's that's an intractable problem and why that one's what I call one of the special issues in our society. Um, because if you define life, then you're balancing lives. But balancing is probably where it's at. I just heard the Republican candidate for Senate in um, Colorado saying he's somewhere in the middle. Uh, so not every Republican who would win office would be, um, banning abortions. In fact, they're going back to the States. But the reason I say this is away from abortion again, we have a lot of freedoms in this country. We need to cherish them, but we do need to solve problems. Like how do we break down privacy barriers to make policy decisions? Because again, if you can't tell me who's in the hospital, then in other countries where they have good criminal laws, but strong and, and secretive mental health laws, they just pick you up instead of the police picking you up. The police pick you up and deposit you at the funny farm, and then nobody knows where you are. And they put some Thorazine and some other medications in you, and you wake up two years later. Um, 
discovering that all your political power has been sapped out because you were doing a good job in a local election and the supreme dictator of that area didn't want you to win. Uh, so, so there's a lot going on out there. Guys, I'm on the hour. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate it. Josh, thank you as always, my friend. Uh, it gives the show gives the show a little breath here to have uh, somebody else to talk. I know as the viewership gets bigger, we'll get more people on here. Um, and uh, somebody says... Somebody says Ken Matthews should be uh, uh, having me on. So if you guys want to, you know, send an email to RJ Harris or Facebook him and say, hey, you know, uh, we'll see if he wants to go. Uh, I'll take neutral ground. We could even do it in a uh, in a gymnasium somewhere, you know, and set it up. I'm, I'm, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. All right. You all have a good night. And thank you again for listening. Uh, I appreciate it.